Hi, I'm Debbie Georgettis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk. Today, we're going to talk about Truth Strikes CNN. It's the first Tuesday of the month, so Dr. Everett Piper joins me. Censoring witnesses and abetting election fraud 2020. COVID kills football and America Can We Talk soon on Rumble and other new outlets. And of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. Debbie Georgiatis, host of America Can We Talk, is an author, attorney, and political analyst whose mission is to inspire the American political conversation about preserving liberty in the best country on earth. And hello again and welcome to America Can We Talk to today's First Five. Yes, I did see the announcement in the Charlotte Observer just about an hour ago relating to a statement made by Attorney General Barr concerning election fraud in 2020. We're going to get to that later in the show. I want to stick in the first five what I plan on talking about, which is this announcement by Project Veritas, which is the organization we've talked about many times on the show. They basically, uh, Veritas meaning, meaning truth, uh, Project Veritas has uh, dived in and looked at the question of, um, looks at various issues and organizations to basically get at stories that you otherwise won't get them to admit to. What was announced this morning, James O'Keefe of Project Veritas, announced as he was live streaming on a call that he has for the last two months had access to and been on the CNN morning call, CNN, the Communist News Network, or whatever that really stands for, I don't know, but the CNN network, very leftist network, has a morning call with a variety of editors and media people, and somehow, as he says, O'Keefe says, through some uh, assistance uh, to Project Veritas, He's been on those calls. So on the call this morning, he announced that he's been hearing these calls for two months and recording them. And that starting tonight, he's going to release little by little the kinds of things are said on these calls that are obviously intended to be private calls among CNN and their otherwise left-wing media affiliates. So I've mapped the one of us a quick clip to play. This is James O'Keefe from Project Veritas. You're unmuted. Hey, Jeff Zucker, are you there? Hey, yes. this is James O'Keefe. Uh, we've been listening to your CNN calls for basically two months, uh, recording everything. Um, just wanted to ask you some questions, if you have a minute. Um, do you still feel you're the most trusted name in news? Because I have to say, from what I've been hearing on these phone calls, I don't know about that. I mean, we've got a lot of recordings that indicate you're not really that uh, independent of a, of a journalist. Okay. Um, thank you for, uh, thank you for, uh, your comments. Um, so everybody in light of that, I think what we'll do is we'll, we'll set up a, a, a new system and we'll, uh, we'll be back with you. We'll do the rest of the call, uh, a little bit later. We're going to release okay. those recordings today at seven o'clock. So stay tuned. Mm -hmm. It's going to be fun. Thanks everybody. Have a good day. Yeah, you too. Bye -bye. So, um, you just heard me talk to, uh, uh, the president of CNN, Jeff Zucker, and inform him that, um, uh, that we are going to release uh, a number of recordings today. Uh, I unmuted myself into the conference line, and they're still on there. They're listening to me right now. Uh, this is being live streamed for those of you still on the call. Um, and uh, we've recorded for a while, and we have clips of various producers talking, the president talking, describing uh, their motives, describing 
their political philosophy, describing how they don't cover certain things and certain political parties tell them to cover things a certain way. Lots of little clips that takes us into the minds and hearts of our people, powers that be, that inform us because government is downstream from media. So we're going to be releasing these tapes thanks to one of our sources, one of our brave insiders has given us this information. And um, as you can see, they're still milling about on the call. They're listening to me right now. They have to, quote, change their system uh, and get a different dial-in, I guess, now <laughs> because we've compromised the dial-in. Okay, I have to tell you, we're going to get right to our guest today. I love having Dr. Piper on, but I want to make one little other comment in this first five about CNN. Generally speaking, the reason Project Veritas does the things that they do is because they're uncovering things that, and it isn't always Democrats or left-wingers, it can be conservative organizations, they're hiding things from the public and the public is being deceived and misled about them. And these are issues of grave, important consequence. For example, uh, they, Project Veritas, were the ones who broke the story that Planned Parenthood was actually engaged in the ongoing practice of selling baby body parts. And you, of course, something Planned Parenthood denied at first and then because of recordings that Project Veritas was able to uncover and play for America, you could then see the truth of what Planned Parenthood was doing. Project Veritas does this, has done, has had many extraordinary, um, really kind of uh, newsworthy stories. They've broken to America that we'd otherwise never know. I can imagine some people in this particular example thinking, well, this is kind of bad because CNN obviously thought they had a bunch of people on these morning Zoom calls, or I don't even know if they're Zoom, but morning calls uh, whom they trusted. They thought it was a private call. And so they were speaking openly, uh, talking about how they try very hard, not, I'm sure, things like uh, don't want to say anything that make Biden look bad. We want to make sure Trump looks bad on this issue. I mean, they were strategy calls and they were assumed to be private. I think some people might listen to this and think, well, gee, I wouldn't like it very much if my organization, I thought was a private call and here, lo and behold, uh, the worst enemy uh, was out there. Someone was recording me. I don't think they would, that most people would like it. And I think you'd have that reaction and it's an understandable reaction. But I want to uh, encourage you not to buy into that line of thinking. Number one, CNN holds itself out to be a journalistic out, um, organization. They actually claim they're journalists. They actually claim that they provide facts and are truthful. They have been the most biased, radical, left-wing, obnoxious network since their creation. I mean, just simply presenting as fact their basically left-wing editorial agenda all the time. Second is CNN was among the many left-wing outlets that went out of their way to make sure that the average American who doesn't have time to dive in and read the facts, go to websites, read stories, listen to conservative outlets. The many average Americans had no idea about the Hunter Biden laptop, about the emails that were uncovered on Hunter Biden's laptop, and about the fact that those emails compromised not only Hunter Biden, but his father, Joe Biden. CNN covered that up, barely ran the story. In fact, they ran it. The few times they mentioned it that I heard them, they were denigrating it as false, misleading. There's nothing harmful on there, that kind of story. And right after, I think it was on election night, as people were leaving the polling places, someone was asking the question of voters, you know, who'd you vote for? And among the Biden voters, they were asking, 
Did you know, if you voted for Joe Biden for president, did you know about the Hunter Biden laptop, the Hunter Biden emails that deeply compromised Biden and Joe, uh, both Hunter Biden and Joe Biden, and that make it very, very, you know, very, very difficult to believe that Joe Biden could ever conduct foreign policy on America's behalf in an honest way because he has received so much money from America's enemies. And it was a very significant percentage of people, of Biden voters, who answered and said, not only did I not know that, I wouldn't have voted for him if I had known that. So if you think that the left-wing media, you, know, you might think, well, left-wing media is always left-wing, conservative media is always conservative, that's the way it is, it's okay, there's kind of a balance there. There are literally millions of Americans who listen to CNN and actually think they're listening to news. They actually think they're getting facts. And so they left this 2020 election season not understanding how deeply compromised Joe Biden would be if we ever were to become president. And that is in very large part due to the conduct of news outlets, alleged news outlets, propaganda outlets like CNN. I don't have any sympathy for them. I think they're going to be embarrassed by what is put out there. But at the end of the day, you know what, for people already informed, people who actually understand how this all works, it's not even news. It's not even newsworthy. CNN, of course, they, they uh, tailor their stories around whatever the left wing tells them to say. Of course, they make Trump look bad every chance they get, make Biden look good no matter how foolish he is. It really isn't news. Maybe to some Americans, it'll help them wake up and realize I shouldn't be going to CNN anymore if I actually want news. But for most people, uh, we already knew everything they're about to hear this in this coming week as you hear these uh, tapes released by Project Veritas. So pay attention. We'll be uh, probably playing some of those clips over the next week or so. And that, my very fine friends, is today's First Five. So I believe we have Dr. Everett Piper online. Um, we, hi, Dr. Piper. Hi, how are you doing, Debbie? I'm very well. How are you, sir? Doing great. Dr. Piper, uh, he's a, as you know, he's been on the show many times, um, and he is a uh, very, just a, he's a great American asset, actually. He's a columnist for the Washington Times. Uh, he's a former president of Oklahoma Wesleyan University, the author of a great book, and not just a book, but kind of a good reminder, kind of launched people uh, into recognizing some of the problems we have on America's college campuses. He wrote a book called Not a Daycare, that's not the full title, but Not a Daycare, which is basically talking to college students about, you know, you didn't come to college to be coddled and made to feel good about what you believe. You came to learn and to learn how to learn and how to think and how to reason, how to argue. So. Further, without further ado, um, so we have you online. So glad to see you. Um, and Dr. Piper, I'm going to start with, I don't know if Matt, the wonderful, has your, um, yeah, okay, you're, we're connected, I guess. Okay, so um, Dr. Piper, you, you write for Washington Times on the, the, um, as a columnist. I want to hit three topics today, as I was telling my earlier text. One is you're talking about the limitations on speech that the left seems to impose on America. You know, the, the limitations on speech about, they put, your column is called, Democrats protect their own ideology, but say nothing to defend free speech. Is that ever the truth? But you can you talk about kind of the main points you were making in that, in that article? Well, I'm trying to go back to history to set the context for my argument. And I, rem I remind everybody that every time, almost every time, when you think of Hitler, when you think of Pol Pot, when you think of Mao, when you think of um, uh, when you think of uh, the Khmer Rouge, when you think of the Red Guard, when you think of all of these despots of history, what is one of the first things they did as they started to coalesce power? They started 
to control the language. They started to control the narrative. And that's exactly what you covered in your first five. And that is the media is actually playing the same game that tyranny plays. And that is you control the mm-hmm. ideas that people can that people can consume, people can digest, and therefore you can control the people. Uh, you know, Hitler, in 1933, they burned 25,000 books on May 10th, 1933. Books from authors such as Albert Einstein and Ernest Hemingway and Helen Keller. And at the same time, 40,000 people gathered in Berlin while they were burning these books to hear Joseph Goebbels give a speech on committing to the flames the evil spirit of the past. So everything that had historical value, tradition, was committed to the flames as people cheered. And we know the story of in 1966 when Mao Zedong took over China and he had the Red Guard, his students. He spread them out across the nation so that they could terrorize people and burn books. Pol Pot, the Khmer Rouge, he burned books. And now we have the left, we have the Michigan Attorney General, Dana Nessel, who issued a letter of a cease and desist letter to big lead politics if they didn't stop perpetuating fake news, quote unquote, of voter fraud. Fake news of voter fraud? Excuse me? I think that's for the American people to decide whether or not the, the news that we're getting on voter fraud is real or whether it's not. And I could go on and on. You know I do in this article. I basically am challenging everybody to recognize, recognize that the lesson of George Santayana is very important. If we don't learn the lessons of history, we're doomed to repeat them. And this pandering of political correctness where we're allowing the left to censor everything we say and to threaten us to be quiet if we have something unpopular to say is exactly what's been happening in the colleges and universities for the last two decades in this call for safe spaces. Anytime you start um, you start censoring language on a college campus, you're going to start censoring ideas in the broader culture because those college students are going to graduate and become CEOs of Twitter and Apple and Google and every other corporation that then seeks, and CNN, that then seeks to start silencing the ideas they don't like. Therefore, we have the news that we're dealing with today. That is such a great parallel you drew, such a great uh, dot connecting. And actually, some of the examples you gave in your article, I want to talk about them a little bit more because they relate to the uh, place we find ourselves in America today in this 2020 election cycle. Uh, They had, this is post-election, so this is a hearing in the United States Senate on the Judiciary Committee, November 17th. Democrats uh, were chiding Mark Zuckerberg and Jack Dorsey, CEOs of Facebook and Twitter, respectively, for not censoring the American people more than they already have. And why this is so dangerous, I mean, people make the argument about Facebook and Twitter, well, they're private companies, they can do what they want. But this is the United States government, the Senate, the the upper body, the statesmen allegedly in Washington, actually telling Zuckerberg of Facebook and Jack Dorsey of Twitter that they don't censor America enough. Feinstein asked Facebook, asked Zuckerberg, uh, what Facebook has done to quash the spread of misinformation regarding the 2020 presidential election. Okay, these are social media outlets that don't let America understand the depth of the problem of the Hunter Biden laptop. People who tweeted and wrote about Hunter Biden's laptop and emails were shut down or their postings were uh, were removed. I mean, this is... This is scare. This is not private companies anymore. This is the government taking the side, uh, taking the Mao Zedong uh, path, right? 
Well, it is. And, you know, I, I cover Feinstein and her questions of Zuckerberg, where she said that should, they should have been, Facebook should be censoring more. They should be censoring more of the misinformation regarding the presidential election. You have Chris Kuhn, Senator Chris Kuhn. Whoop, do we just lose him? I'll get him back. Okay, well, while we're looking for him, I will just, I don't know what happened. We dropped the call, I guess. But he's mentioned, he's about to tell you, so Diane Feinstein on the Judiciary Committee getting after these uh, social media already heavily censorous organizations, Facebook and Twitter. Okay, Are we, we still back? there? Yes, hi, go ahead, sir. Sorry, you were just on Chris Coons. I'm sorry, I, I, I'm not too sure why I dropped, but what i'm what i'm trying to what i'm trying to say here is you've got these senators calling upon facebook and twitter to actually censor us more and one thing i learned in my academic work at michigan state university when i was working on my doctorate is this anytime anybody tries to hide data there's a reason anytime somebody tries to dodge a critical question there's a reason anytime somebody starts massaging the data and the statistics to their advantage there's a reason and the reason for all of that is they've been caught in a lie. They've been caught manipulating the truth rather than just allowing the reader to consume the claims and then come to the conclusions that we all as adults should be able to come to. These people want to censor us. And anytime they get caught saying something that's marginally true or completely false, they start massaging the data to silence us. You know, it, it is. I'm so glad we're having this conversation because, um, as I mentioned to you uh, before that we came on air, I'm, I'm still in the camp. Trump won the election, and uh, I'm hoping somehow our legal system gets to the right answer. But assuming we were to be encumbered by a fraudulent election and have Joe Biden become our president, this is his political party. This is a political party that is seeking to have a majority in the Senate, if they, depending on the outcome of the two Georgia Senate races. And if you were to have a Biden presidency, the slim majority of Democrats in the U.S. House and the Senate majority of uh, this is a solidification of power by the uh, mindset that is saying we're not going to tolerate people putting statements out there that either we don't like, we, we think could be incorrect, or even if they're correct, we don't like them, we don't want them said. I mean, I can I can hardly stand the thought of thinking of America, the home of the First Amendment, the beautiful. And we talked, you and I have talked about it many times, Dr. Piper. We could be heading down a you know Mao Zedong Hitler kind of path where, for the good of America, for the good of citizens, we're being told what you can hear. I I, I mean, are you alarmed about this in America? Well, in, in some sense, we're not in danger of going down that path. We've already started walking. We've already taken a step or two down that path of censorship. We've got high-tech book burnings going on right now. We've got books that are not being promoted on Amazon.com because Amazon has decided those books are verboten. They're unwelcome. Those ideas can't be expressed. We have. I've been censored from Facebook. I cannot post on Facebook um, group pages until December 29th. And I don't even know why. They just sent me a note saying you violated our standards. I don't know why. They've censored me. They don't allow me to say what I'm saying on your show. I can't do so on Facebook. 
This is why Parler is exploding right now. I can go over to Parler and say what I want without being censored, but I can't do so on Twitter. I can't do so on Amazon.com. I can't do so on um, on Facebook. Facebook. I can't do so on Instagram. The list goes on and on and on. They already are guilty of high-tech book burning. I love that expression, high-tech book burnings. It's really, really eloquent, and it actually is a visual, too. It really helps people get the picture of it. Uh, yeah, it's a very, very serious time, and I, I perhaps this is Pollyanna on my part, but I do keep thinking there should be people on the American left who have the kind of Patrick Henry spirit that says, you know, I disagree with what you're saying, but I'll defend to the death your right to say it. I, I keep hoping there's still that mindset out there in some faction of the American left, because right now all of what we're talking about gets pitched in the media as conservative versus liberal. And, and so it, it's, a, it's dismissed as a political dispute when it's really something the, the higher level thinkers who love freedom and love the First Amendment all of them, how are they break down the political, um, you, know, uh, the, you know, the line of, from right to left on the political line, should want to have this. And so I, I, I'm wishing very much you would hear, we'd hear from leftists. And actually, even uh, Dr. Piper, your experience at Oklahoma Wesleyan, you started to recognize there that there were other universities. I, I may be incorrect in remembering this, but I thought you started recognizing other universities more willing to censor speech than you understood to be the right thing. Is, am I remembering that correctly? I want to make sure I understood. What, what, ask your question again. <laughs> Sorry, it got too long. But when you were president of Oklahoma Wesleyan, I have this memory, and, and perhaps it's incorrect, that you were aware other universities are more amenable to censoring speech than you under, that, than, than they should have been. Do you think that's right? Oh, there's no question. Brown and Berkeley. I mean, the irony is Berkeley, the birthplace of free speech, so they claim, was shutting down free speech. They wouldn't allow Ben Shapiro to come on campus without protesting him. I mean, Brown, Berkeley, University of Wyoming, you've got Emory, you've got uh, colleges and universities across the land, Mich University of Michigan, Uni University of New York, you've got all of these colleges and universities that are shutting down free speech in the name of in the name of safe spaces. And here's the thing, and this is a, this is a corollary to the COVID conversation. We should not be a country that cherishes safety as our first thing. We should be a country, I and mean, we are a country that has a constitution that isn't safe, but a constitution that's good. There's a huge difference between goodness and safety. And we should cherish goodness as our first thing, our sumum bonum. We should never replace our first thing, goodness, freedom, liberty, for safety. In fact, Benjamin Franklin, and I'm going to butcher his quote a little bit here, but he said, those who desire safety and will give up a little bit of liberty for it are not going to get either safety or liberty because they've given up all. And that's exactly the conversation we're having in the United States right now with regard to COVID. Because you can't, you can't post things in social media that are critical of the government edicts with regard to COVID. You can't do that any longer. You cannot have an honest conversation. You cannot pursue the truth. You have to accept Big Brother's narrative, otherwise you're silent. We have to step forward and say, no, enough is enough. We will not comply. Could not agree more. And actually you mentioned a moment ago about uh, the other social media alternatives as the uh, now they used to be the new media. Now they're kind of the traditional social media outlets of Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, uh, YouTube. 
have become increasing, increasingly censoring uh, conservative views, then all these new ones come out. So I will quickly tell our listeners, yes, I've been getting your emails and encouraging me to go to Rumble. So we're setting up Rumble. I'm not getting off of any of the existing media unless they kick me off. I'm, I've got two strikes in a couple of places, but I'm still there. Uh, but Rumble is a great place. Pretty kind of similar to YouTube. Rumble's a great place. Parlor. we're going to be expanding our show into that arena because the idea that we have to fight to get free speech available, fight, fight to have the, uh, the avenue to um, spread our free speech ideas uh, is very, very challenging. Well, Dr. Piper, two other topics I want to hit with you today. One is there was a Supreme Court ruling uh, that relates to COVID and relates to the uh, rulings in New York State that concern churches and uh, the um, idea that whether or not the government could limit the number of people attending churches. Uh, it's okay if they attend riots, but attending churches was to be limited, and a great Supreme Court decision came out with our new 5-4 majority, and I just want to let you talk about a little bit about your thoughts about that ruling and how important it is for America. Well, for, uh, we've accepted, and I want to say we, I mean the American people in general, have accepted this idea that freedom of religion is not an essential thing. We've been declared non-essential. The church has been declared by the government as non-essential. So you can go to a casino in Tulsa, Oklahoma, without fear of being harassed. But you can't go to church in Tulsa, Oklahoma, because the little Napoleon, this little Napoleon Bonaparte, who's the mayor of Tulsa, <laughs> Oklahoma, has declared that churches need to be shut down, but yet he doesn't do the same for a casino. He doesn't do the same for a liquor store. He doesn't do the same for strip clubs. But he will shut down the church because churches are guilty of being, of being spreaders of COVID. This is asinine. It makes no sense. It's bad science. And that's the way we should respond to these people. I thought you wanted to follow the science. You show me any science, any data, any statistics that show that churches are spreading COVID at greater numbers than casinos. And when you do, then we'll have a discussion. But until then, Leave us alone. We're going to go to church. We've got freedom of religion in, in America, and the Supreme Court has just confirmed that. Tell these little Napoleons to just go pound sand. I love that. And I was going to say, just in time that we got that uh, President Trump was able to nominate and have confirmed Justice Amy Coney Barrett, who really turned out to be the pivotal vote, uh, as we have simply whatever has happened to the Supreme um, Chief Justice Roberts, I don't really know, but in any case, he, he's gone you know, to the left, he's gone to the dark side, so he's, he's not reliable any longer. But really what a, a beautiful uh, bit of protection for America that we had Amy Coney Barrett and therefore a majority of five who could stand up for the First Amendment and in particular uh, the freedom of religion. It was, a, it was a truly a, a just-in-time saving of uh, religious freedom in America. I was very, very grateful she is there. Okay, we had one more quick topic, and you, I just want to, you, I, if we end up with a Biden administration, which I still am telling you we're not going to, or, or I am earnestly hoping and actually believing we still will not be stuck with it, but there was a lot of talk about mask mandates. The moment that uh, Biden takes office, he swears day one he's going to call every governor and mayor and tell them they all have to 
put in place mask mandates. You may, you had a tweet out, and I sadly I don't have it out in front of me, but a tweet that was challenging what Biden is planning on doing uh, and talking about it interfering with our constitutional freedoms. Can you explain why you say that? Well, he was he put out a tweet saying, I want to be clear that wearing a mask does not impede your personal freedom. It actually is something that you should welcome because it allows you to return to normal. Now, excuse me, I want to be clear. Government oligarchs like Joe Biden telling me what I need to wear. That's none of his business telling me where I can go to church. That's none of his business. When I can go to church, how I can go to church, when I can sing, when I can't sing a hymn, that's none of his business. Telling me when I can go to a restaurant, when I can't, how I can go to a grocery store, or if I can't, what I need to wear when I go to a grocery store, this is none of his business. This is unconstitutional. Where in the Constitution does it give the government any right to tell you what to wear? Uh, you know, Dr. Piper, you, you have to know, as I, the expression you're preaching to the choir could not agree more. I just think as Americans uh, move forward, if we end up with a Biden administration and you realize how extreme the measures are going to be, how forceful, how um, unrelenting, how, uh, you know, apparently going to be announced with no um, excuses, no way around it. I think you'll have more Americans coming around to recognizing that this whole concept of the government telling you what you have to do, what to wear in order to keep you safe, there'll be more people getting around to not just personal objection, but actually just saying, no, this is a constitutional issue. I could not agree more. I'm so glad that you're putting it in those terms. Dr. Piper, I love first first Tuesday of the month. It's great to have on every time. I'm, I'm sorry we start a little bit late today. I'm so glad you're available. Thanks so much for joining me today. No problem. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Okay, we're going to two other things, people. I, I got, I, you know, the, today is a huge day. I said at the start of the show uh, that we had an, um, an interview, a statement put out by Attorney General Barr. Um, and I'm talking about the whole election fraud thing, you know, censoring witnesses, abetting election fraud in 2020. I want to start with what uh, Attorney General Barr said today. Barr was reported in the Charlotte Observer to have said that the Justice Department has not uncovered evidence of widespread voter fraud that would change the outcome of the 2020 election. His comments were made despite what Trump has been saying. This was an interview with the Associated Press. Barr said U.S. attorneys and FBI agents have been working to follow up specific complaints and information they've received, but they've uncovered no evidence that would change the outcome of the election. So that's what we're going to talk about is what in the world is happening in this country in these 2020 elections and, and where we are today, where we sit today on December 1st. Number one, we could spend the rest of the show running through all of the testimony given by various experts in the state legislatures around in the remaining uh, states where the issue is in play. Yesterday, we played a, a great segment, a great little clip by a gentleman who is a... Um, who was testifying in the Pennsylvania legislature. As we were doing the show yesterday, he was testifying in the Arizona legislature at that same gentleman, at same issues. And then today there's a hearing in the Michigan legislature. We have in front of us, for the people paying attention, this is not your usual uh, run of the mill. Uh, you know, I think uh, a few dead people voted this time, which seems to happen almost every time. What we are talking about was been uncovered and revealed 
by the evidence you saw in this show that Russ Ramsland has uncovered, that has been provided to Sidney Powell, that is the basis of much of her litigation, relates not just to the, to the Dominion voting systems machines, which it does relate to those machines, but it relates to all of the electronic voting machines in this country and the uh, Smartmatic software. And the software, as you heard that, I believe we played that portion yesterday, the witness pointing out that all these electronic voting machine companies, they're interrelated, they sell each other pieces of equipment, they sell each other software, they license software. It's all, as they say, has a common ancestry. We're talking about the potential capacity in America to completely steal an election through the manipulation of electronic uh, voting tabulation software and that we have not just the experimental, could this possibly be done, but the actual proof having been laid out before uh, by on this show uh, with Russ Ramsland, the ASOG, Allied Security Operations Group, that he's been testifying in places around the country. People from his organization have been testifying around this country. We have, I mean, just the, the sheer, uh, you know, lack of possible coincidence. I'll just tell you that the number of things to run through that tell you that there was massive election fraud in this election cycle. We have affidavit after affidavit, people talking about people running the same ballots through the machines over and over, counting the same ballots over and over so that you know what should count for a stack of 25 ballots becomes a stack of whatever running through 10 times is 250 ballots we have that kind of testimony we have the shutting down at almost the same time in all of these most important swing states of the the counting in the evening of the election november 3rd where the election is clearly trending toward trump is going to win and all of a sudden Things are shut down, massive numbers of alleged mail-in ballots arrive, and lo and behold, they are extraordinarily, uh, over, they're overwhelmingly votes for Biden, so that everything looked like it was on track for Trump. All of a sudden, whoop, what do you knew? Biden won after all, state after state. We have that kind of fraud. We have the kind of fraud where people have been testifying that the, the way their, the votes are being tallied, they are being added in, alleged to have been counted, at a rate faster than any machine can count. No machine could count that number of ballots. They just got plopped in the total. There's a specific um, point, a great point being made by Senator Rand Paul, and he's talking about four data dumps. Rand Paul, Republican, um, he's actually kind of a libertarian, but Republican from Kentucky, four data dumps in the witching hour after the election gave Biden the victory. He, on Sunday afternoon, shared this analysis of the 2020 election results in the key swing states of Georgia. And he says, and especially statistical anomalies in four particularly suspicious data dumps in the key swing states of Georgia, Michigan, and Wisconsin. Basically making the point, Trump's margin of defeat in four states occurred in four data dumps in a small period of time, lo and behold, middle of the night, so you know, November 3rd or it's early morning, November 4th, and lo and behold, who knew, between 1.34 a.m. and 6.31 a.m., you had four d different states' data dumps that all of a sudden turned those elections from clearly Trump on track to win to, oh, who knew Biden won?
And this is uh, Rand Paul running through an anonymous report. Claims have investigated 8,954 updates to the vote totals in all 50 states, and all four of the updates profoundly anomalous. They deviate from a pattern otherwise found in the vast majority. I mean, he's running through a detailed analysis, making the point that in this entire beautiful country of 50 states and everybody voting, you had in the very important swing states where everyone understands the decision comes down to Georgia, Michigan, and Wisconsin, those states, you had the, um, you had the data, you, you had these late night dumps of votes that were overwhelmingly for Biden and that just, they don't hold up to, to um, scrutiny. They don't hold up to state. They don't hold up to reason. So this is what you are, the report you're getting um, out of him. And actually, he gives more detail. You can go to our website and read this, americacanwetalk.org, on the homepage, under shows, drop down, list of links. The article to which I'm referring is entitled, Four Data Dumps in the Witching Hour, Witching Hour After the Election Gave Biden the Victory. Rand Paul has questions. So he's saying, wow, isn't that magical and amazing that all these last minute uh, votes showed up after these states had to shut down their counting and when they were counting clearly trump was on the way to victory and these magically show up other new pieces of litigation i'm going to get back to Barr in a moment but other pieces of litigation a new lawsuit by the trump team is claiming wisconsin they counted 201 221 thousand illegal votes just in wisconsin lawsuit by the Trump team that they counted 221,000 illegal votes. You have, um, there was another one I wanted, wanted to read to you that was just a, these staggering numbers, and I'm gonna get around to responding uh, to what, um, what uh, Barr said today is deeply, deeply, deeply disappointing. But um, you had uh, in Arizona all sorts of testimony. Uh, okay, this is what I wanted to get to. Michigan, in the state of Michigan, illegally counted or ignored 500,000 ballots. This is a lawsuit by the Amistad Project. Amistad Project in Michigan, new lawsuit alleging Michigan counted or ignored half a million ballots more than the margin of victory. So what I want to get at is this. You have Sidney Powell filing her lawsuits and pursuing her lawsuits that, that relate to electronic manipulation of the voter tabulation software. So you have Sidney Powell pursuing that. You have the Amistad Project filing lawsuits. You have thousands of Americans writing affidavits telling what I saw. You have witnesses willing to come forward and tell in open testimony, here's what I saw. I saw this cheating. You have statistical anomalies, which translates into really just proof of fraud, examples of fraud, times when all of a sudden a massive number of new votes comes in, uh, of new ballots come in, and they're almost all for Biden, inconsistent with any other pattern being shown in that same state prior to these uh, magical ballots appearing. People... The American people, at this point, what is happening, besides Trump's lawyers, who are pursuing various claims, what you have is the American people, the grassroots, the American people rising up to challenge 
obvious election fraud. You have groups like ASOG here in Dallas, Russ Ramson's group. You have them going around the country, providing testimony, providing experts who can lay out and tell you. You have the affidavit by a guy who is in Venezuela at the table with the Smartmatic voting system people as they sat there and promised Hugo Chavez that there was absolutely no way he would lose or that Maduro would lose because this machine, this Smartmatic machine, was going to make sure they could guarantee him that Maduro would win. This is a Smartmatic uh, election um, not, they're not election machines, but the software, Smartmatic software, promising this. And you have someone living in America willing to write an affidavit saying, I was sitting there, I heard them say it. This is exactly what it is. You have overwhelming evidence that the Dominion voting systems, uh, voting system machines are vulnerable, can be easily hacked. You had this testimony yesterday that I played in the show, the one gentleman who was, I think, from ASOG, who was testifying in Pennsylvania. He also had an affidavit. He had a direct conversation with a person who was with, whose uncle in Cuba was familiar with the whole situation in Venezuela and said, oh, yeah, they were saying, they promised, promised Chavez, don't worry, Maduro's going to get this. Don't worry. Maduro's going to win because we've said it for you. We had the, uh, the story yesterday of Eric Coomer, Dr. Eric Coomer, who was the security, the top security guy for Dominion Voting System, who said on a Zoom call, when someone said, but what if Trump wins? He said, don't worry, I, I, I fixed that. Trump, there's no effing way Trump will win. I have taken care of that. You have all this evidence, all this evidence being reported in the key legislatures in this country by citizen advocate Sidney Powell is just a plain out, plain, straightforward citizen advocate. She happens to be one of the brightest lawyers in the country and most well-recognized, well-respected. She's out there putting her reputation on the line to say, because she's seen the detailed evidence that ASOG has. So you have grassroots people, grassroots organizations, you have grassroots individuals, you have Sidney Powell, you have American citizens rising up and saying to these legislatures, don't certify this election. There was fraud. We can show it. We can prove it. We have affidavits. And where are the leaders beside President Trump? Where are the leaders on the Republican side? I could name on one hand all the Republicans I can think of who've been at any way, in any way helpful to President Trump as he attempts to fight this massive election fraud. On one hand, you know, I'm obviously Congressman Gohmert. He's been on the show recently and many times. Congressman Louis Gohmert speaking right up, well aware of what's happening. I think Matt Gates has been a little bit helpful. Jeff Jordan a little bit. I mean, really, it's a small handful of Republicans willing to speak up. And you have stone cold submitting, surrendering silence from the vast majority of Republicans in Washington. On top of that, you have Governor Ducey in Arizona. After hearing all the testimony we were just describing to you, after hearing that was testimony yesterday, oh, by the way, during that testimony yesterday, one of the people testifying is a mathematician, some guy who's basically laying out the case that it is impossible for these numbers. He's a digital forensic um, you know, math guy who's laying out for the, the legislature saying, this, um, 
You know, these, these are these, these are impossible. These, these couldn't have happened. Try to get his name, but uh, yeah, this mathematician, a mathematician who testified in front of the Arizona legislature. His name is Bobby Pitton. He wrote on he writes on social media and parlor, and he essentially was testifying that the allegations of voter fraud are very, very sound, very valid, um, and talks about the numbers. He said. I never would have certified the election results in Arizona based on the data I have seen. These results should never be certified. He's a mathematician and a digital forensic mathematician. And while he's testifying in Arizona yesterday, Twitter suspended his account. And as you were just hearing from Dr. Piper, as others would tell you, they just suspend your account. You don't know why that you're just told for violating tw uh, Twitter standards. And I can tell you from having tried to appeal on YouTube, there's no answer. They, they, oh yeah, you can appeal right here. And then within a nanosecond, you get an auto reply, appeal denied, thank you very much. They're not listening. They're part of the effort to shut this down. So you have Twitter playing along. You have this digital forensic guy shut down. You have all the examples we just gave you. And so what do you do when you are a legislator? What do you do when you're the one sitting there and you can hear all this evidence and you hear Republic, silence from the Republicans. So all you're hearing is the grassroots rising up and you hear nothing from Republican leaders, like all of the Republican leaders, House and Senate and the legislatures around this country. And you have the grassroots screaming at the, from the rooftop saying, please look at the evidence, please examine this. What do you do? And then you have Attorney General Barr weigh in. And now I want to talk about Attorney General Barr for a moment. I still have two quick topics for today, but Attorney General Barr. I happen to know that ASOG, the group here in Dallas, Allied Security Operations Group, made extreme repeated efforts over the last two years because what they uncovered about the, elect, the, uh, fraud, the ability to commit fraud in the voting systems, what they uncovered in Dallas in 2018, they tried to get that information in front of numerous elected officials with authority to investigate, one being the Department of Justice. I know ASOG tried to bring this, their, their evidence of election fraud, of the, of the um, vulnerability of the voting machines, of Dominion, ESNS, all these voting machine companies, how they're easily hackable, votes can be changed, hardly any record, kept, record available, hardly a trace left, they worked and they are very connected people and they could not get the attorney general to sit down and listen. They could not get other officials to sit down and listen. They got the, well, you know, we don't want to hear it. We're not really sure. No, no, we're not going to hear that. And so now we sit here on December 1st with the citizens screaming, experts testifying all over this country, explaining what's been happening. And then Attorney General Barr, who could have stayed silent, given that he's never seen this evidence, and he weighs in today to say, well, we've been looking into it. We don't really see anything, nothing that would change the outcome. I, I you know, folks, if you listen to the show very often, you know, I have been very um, uh, grateful for many things that Attorney General Barr has said. Very grateful for many things he said we're going to investigate, we're going to get to the bottom of it, we're going to keep pursuing it. And I was very grateful he became Attorney General because Jeff Sessions really was not doing his job. 
But where we sit now, with the elections of 2020 on the line, with the reality that unless these, these um, states who are certifying uncertify, unless they listen to the grassroots, they listen to the testimony, they listen to the experts, they listen to the demonstrations, they listen to the people, unless they listen, they have, you know, the temptation is to get it certified, get it done, get it beyond me, I don't really want to deal with this. And then they have Attorney General Barr weigh in. It makes it very easy for them to say, okay, you know what, we, we, I know these people are upset, but there are people upset every election cycle. There, there's always somebody crying fraud. You know, we can't go down this path. We can't disrupt the elections. We can't do this. And so the temptation is to certify. The other pressure on people in Washington, the elected Republicans in Washington is this. If the states certify this election, so the vote goes to the Electoral College, and the Electoral College on December 14th meets and has indeed 270 or more votes for Biden, then it's going to be much harder for the Supreme Court, even if they find massive evidence of fraud, very hard for the Supreme Court to overrule the Electoral College and put the decision and the Supreme Court's other choice if the Electoral College has said Biden won, and now the Supreme Court is looking at cases that, that to them reveal massive fraud in the system, and the Supreme Court wants to rule on them and choose the other avenue it has available to it, it is, under the Constitution, to put the decision over into Congress, to put the decision in the hands of the House and the Senate. And I think this is the reason all of the uh, elected, virtually all the elected Republicans in the House and Senate are silent. They don't want to be the ones to make this decision. They don't want to be the ones that people will claim that if they, the elected Republicans who have the majority vote in the House because they have the 26 delegations, it's a delegation vote so they can vote for the Republican candidate if it gets to the House. But if they do that, they are going to have the wrath of the left, the wrath of the Democrat media mob, the wrath of Antifa, the wrath of BLM, the wrath of the radical left in this country, blaming them for the election outcome if it goes to Congress. So to have the Electoral College solve this for them makes their life much easier. It makes it much easier for the Republicans in the House and Senate if the decision's never gonna come to them because the Electoral College got to a majority vote. This, I say, I think, is what is motivating those extremely timid Republicans in the House and Senate to not speak up in the face of obvious, overwhelming election fraud. If they speak up, and they are way in and they say, hey, you states, you can't be certifying this fraud. You've got to investigate. They run the risk that Electoral College doesn't pick, some, doesn't pick a winner on December 14th. The decision ends up in the Supreme Court. The court sends it to Congress. And then the decision sits in their wimpy laps. And they don't want to do that. They don't want to be the ones to choose a president and incur the wrath of the radical, violent American left in this country. They'd rather have it solved by the state legislatures, even if it means confirming, certifying an election filled with fraud. That's, I think, is going on. I am 
beyond words disappointed in Attorney General Barr because I know he didn't, his office didn't take the time to understand the evidence that does exist as to election fraud. And in this, given what we're all watching in this country, the people paying attention in the legislatures around this country where testimony is occurring and this massive election fraud is being uncovered and hundreds of thousands of votes, uh, thousands of votes are, are flipped, hundreds of thousands being the subject of litigation saying these are illegal votes, they should never have been counted. The mail-in ballot scam the Democrats got away with, all of that should have given Attorney General Barr pause and cause them to say, you know what? I'm not getting into this right now. I'm just not gonna do it. I'm gonna let the investigation go. Especially, this is the same Attorney General who claimed he was looking into the Russia collusion hoax that John Durham was gonna get to the bottom of it and they're gonna make sure and root out lawlessness and nothing has happened. The election has come and gone. Durham is still allegedly looking into things, you know, digging up things. Pretty soon we're going to have the answer. Well, pretty soon it's going to be January 20th of 2021. And if we have Biden as president, every bit of investigation Durham has done, every bit of evidence, every bit of the, the ability and right and what should happen, which is the going, bringing charges to grand juries, getting indictments and prosecuting the perpetrators of the Russia collusion hoax, all of that. All of it will be washed away. Barr has succeeded in not holding anyone accountable yet in the Russia collusion hoax. Not a single person held accountable for their conduct. What all of America knows happened and now is throwing in jabs essentially at the Trump administration for challenging the outcome of this election in the face of the evidence of massive election fraud. A truly, uh, uh, you know, a, a truly black mark against the name of Attorney General Barr in his conduct in these statements today. He's encouraging the legislature is to throw in the towel, to stop listening to the grassroots, to stop listening to the evidence, to stop listening to the experts, just certify your state and move it along. He's giving them more ammo to do that. Truly disgraceful. Two other quick things I know we're nearly out of time, but two other quick things I want to cover very quickly today. Uh, I call this one uh, COVID kills football. I want to encourage you to read. My husband has an article today at American Thinker. And uh, it's about COVID and football. And I just want to say, you know, we've been talking about COVID so much and how COVID is shut, you know, just uh, especially if we get a President Biden, we're going to have mask mandates, we're going to have shutdowns, we're going to have, uh, and I've been learning so much more about the vaccines and what they will be all about, which I will have to save for another day. But there is so much repression of your freedom in America right around the corner. And maybe one little bit of that, one, maybe one way the average Joe American who doesn't pay attention very much to politics is going to wake up and realize how much COVID has politicized America is when we finally realize that college football and NFL and basketball and college and the NBA is all shut down because to keep us safe. As you heard from our guest, Dr. Piper, earlier in the show, the government has no power to take away your freedom in order to keep you safe and healthy. 
zero zip nada. But so far, Americans have been unable to push back. We have had Americans surrendering our freedom. We have the left happy to seize and take away your freedom. They are planning on it if the Biden gets his way and becomes the next president. They're planning on taking away your freedom. Just maybe what COVID will do to football will wake up a new segment of the American population, a new segment of the American people who are saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Football cannot be gone forever. We're not going to give up football for the rest of time in America because of a disease that has a 99.9% curability rate and has plenty of available therapies. Maybe it'll help people wake up. I had a little clip I sent to Matt the Wonderful yesterday. Uh, and this is just a little example. Uh, this is a, a related to COVID and football. This is a player on the Raiders, Las Vegas Raiders, uh, who put a little video out in a tweet yesterday. He got a call telling him he tested positive for COVID. He had a great response. Let me quick play that. All right. So I just want to be clear. I, I do not have COVID and I get tested every single day for my work. Um, I just got a call from the Nevada Health Department saying that I tested positive for COVID. The Nevada Health Department receives every single COVID test, positive or negative. They receive the results. And obviously, my organization would have been the ones to know if I had re received a positive test before this organization, the Nevada Health Department. When I told them that I get tested every single day for my work and that they would have known prior, and I told them that I played for the Raiders, they began to feel all flustered and realized that they got caught in a lie. When they got caught in a lie, they told me to ignore the phone call, to act like they never called, and to pretend that this never happened. To me, this is 1,000 a political stunt, and they're trying to... And just so we're clear, when I called them out for this, uh, saying that it was a lie, they told me to... They said, oh, sorry, we made a mistake. You actually didn't test positive. You... Um, all of your tests are negative. So to me, that's telling me... I mean, I already knew, but this is telling me everything right now that they're calling folks who probably haven't tested positive or haven't even tested at all and are telling them that they have positive tests. So to me, I'm beyond frustrated. I can't believe this. I believe it's a stunt to try to shut the country back down. That player is. Anyway, he plays for the Raiders and, you know, it's, I, I could have cut it shorter, but you realize what he's saying. He gets tested every day because he plays for the Raiders. So I guess they get tested every day in the NFL. And when the Las Vegas Health Department calls him, tells him he has COVID, that he's tested positive, he knows he hasn't because he just got tested every single day, including that day. And that as soon as he said, no, I don't, because they, they backed right off. I know it's just one person, but I want you to understand COVID is being used as a vehicle to impose tyranny on America. It's being used as a vehicle to shut down our society, to tell us we must wear masks. We're only allowed to go where they tell us we can go. There is only more tyranny coming in the name of keeping us safe from COVID if we possibly are forced to surrender to a Biden administration. People, I want to close up my other point from the, the, um, the last segment, and then I'll go to why it matters to you. We have plenty of evidence that there was massive election fraud in this election cycle mountains of evidence. We have affidavits. We have testimony by experts explaining how accessible the Dominion voting systems are and other electronic voting systems are. We have, we have experts explaining it. We have, inex we have inexplicable numbers of ballots racing through the machines. The evidence is there. There'll probably be more and more evidence 
what we don't have two things a willingness to investigate to investigate these claims a willingness on the part of people who hold the power of the decision of who becomes our next president we don't have in those people the willingness to investigate. It is shameful and disgraceful that they are not demanding an investigation instead of waiting till the hearing wraps up and then go ahead and vote to certify the results. They're, the people who have been elected to, to pursue truth and to do the certification are trying to shut this down, not paying attention. And number two, related to that, we need leaders. This entire challenging election fraud in this country is mostly being done by the Trump team and the people. The leaders of this country are embarrassingly, ridiculously, outrageously silent. It is atrocious. It is the theft of an election right before our faces. We are not surrendering. We are not giving up. You should not give up. There are many appeals still happening. It may be this ends up at the United States Supreme Court. And I understand, believe me, I hear from people all the time saying, well, my gosh, if the Supreme Court decides it, we're going to have chaos in the streets. We're going to have rioting. We're going to have, you know, people be outraged. Understand, if I am correct, and I feel very sure I am, Trump won in a landslide. So what those ninnies are saying is, so Trump won in a landslide, but we're afraid to, to deal with that fact, to have the election outcome parallel the truth, which is Trump won in a landslide and therefore should be inaugurated on January 20th. We're afraid to do that. The majority is afraid to let that happen because the violent radical leftist minority in this country might be mad about it. I'll take it. We can not surrender our election system. We can't surrender the investigation into what happened, even though the people who should be demanding investigations are not doing a thing about it. We, the people, have to stand with the truth and insist on it because we're, it's not just this election cycle. It's not just this one. If these people get away with this, the same way the Russia collusion hoaxers think they're this close to getting away with what they did to President Trump, if these people who manipulated this election cycle, if there's no accountability, if there's no investigation, if there's no truth finding, if there's no bringing the truth out for the American public to see, they will do this over and over and over again and free and fair elections in our country will be gone. It matters that much. Last quick thing to tell you before I go to why it matters to you. So I hear from many of you listeners, I mentioned earlier, uh, people saying, hey, you know, you gotta get off YouTube, Facebook, Twitter. I'm not gonna get off any of those. I'm staying with all of them, but we have, we're moving our show also to Rumble. We're setting up Rumble. I have Parlor halfway set up. We're getting set up. The show is gonna be coming out in those places. We already have the show on BitChute or uh, many of the uh, big interviews on BitChute. So we're working our way into the new alternative media to fight the censors. And if you really want to help the show fight the censors, consider donating. Go to my, my website, americacanwetalk.org, on the homepage. Hit subscribe button, subscribe to a weekly newsletter, hit the donate button. A one-time or recurring donation will keep this show going. And I ask for your support and help to do that. It's to fight social media censorship and to help this show keep growing. And now, as I do at the close of every show, I'll tell you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. We start our show, uh, our show today on the subject of <clears throat> the truth strikes CNN. Project Veritas access CNN morning editorial calls for weeks. We'll start releasing recorded content of those prior calls tonight. 
CNN is laughably biased and hypocritical leftist Democrat propaganda, nothing more. Stunning but revealing that CNN's corporate governance humors this, they apparently agree with the propaganda. Stunning that CNN remains financially viable, but advertisers, they must have advertisers who apparently also agree with their propaganda. Project Veritas recordings are not likely to change anything. Just more confirmation that CNN is claiming to do journalism is a joke. And uncensoring witnesses and abetting election fraud. Twitter suspends the account of an Arizona election fraud witness during his testimony. Witnesses' mathematical analysis of anomalies is apparently too convincing. Arizona Governor Ducey and Georgia Governor Kemp, both alleged Republicans, act to certify the election results that are, <clears throat> that are transparently fraudulent, raising deep suspicions as to whether they are compromised. Now Attorney General Barr delivers a statement claiming no fraud that would change the election result, but no explanation, no explanation of what has been investigated. The American people are being betrayed by their leaders. The fraud is obvious to anyone with common sense. The American people will have to stop this. And on COVID kills football, the radical left has always hated football. Too masculine, too competitive, too profitable, too American. Leftists, including Fauci, found in COVID a way that could end football once and for all. An avalanche of cancellations of practices and games over shaky, positive test results. Entering the era of pandemics, which was Fauci's term, says we're entering an era of pandemics. Expect COVID-21 or some other iteration of COVID. And more concern, football is the ultimate sport for collisions and close contact. Will Fauci recommend ending this sport? Expect another. It's just not safe. Do the NFL and the NCAA realize where this is headed? I'm afraid they don't. And finally, America can we talk on Rumble soon. Americans must be able to access trustworthy pro-American news and commentary. Big tech censorship cannot be allowed to impose leftist totalitarian thought control. So new channels for America Can We Talk are on the horizon. Spread the word. Rumble, Parler, BitChute, Minds. I'll tell you about that next time. Minds and Gab. Stand by for further announcements. And that, my very fine friends, is America Can We Talk for today. Thank you so much for tuning in every Monday through Thursday, 3 p.m. Central Time, to America Can We Talk where I always talk truth about America because America matters. And I will talk to you next time. America, can we talk truth about America? Can you